to the Public Safety Innovators Podcast. Connecting you with experts and trendsetters who are leading innovation in law enforcement, private security, and personal protection. And now, your host, Adam Wills. Welcome to episode 15 of the Public Safety Innovators Podcast. If you've been following the series of drone-related episodes on the show, then you're going to love this episode. In episodes 3 and 10, we talked about the Chula Vista Police Department's Drones as a First Responder program. Well, in this episode, you'll be hearing directly from one of the founders of that program, Fritz Reber. Fritz is going to share with us how that program got started, how it has revolutionized Chula Vista PD's response to in-progress calls, and how the program is now being replicated throughout the country. Fritz has since left the Chula Vista Police Department and now works for Skydio, one of the leading drone manufacturers in the public safety space. Fritz is going to share with us some of the amazing technology and artificial intelligence that Skydio employs in their Skydio 2 and their newest Skydio X2 models. If you haven't done so already, I would encourage you to go back and listen to episode three with Anthony D. Molina of Tactical Drone Concepts and episode 10 with Angad Singh of Pix4D before you listen to this episode. And if you're interested in the entire drone series we've done here on the Public Safety Innovators podcast, you can simply go to psi.chat forward slash episodes and click on drones in the right hand column. So, without further delay, here is my interview with Fritz Reber. Fritz, welcome to the Public Safety Innovators Podcast. It's great to have you on. Hey, thanks, Adam. I'm very glad to be here. Yeah, so this is going to be kind of a neat episode because we're going to we're going to talk about a couple different things today. As you know, I've been trying for a little while now, kind of since I think uh, episode three, if I remember correctly, with Anthony D. Molina for Tactical Drone Concepts. We first uh, was the first time we talked about the Chula Vista Police Department in California and uh, their drones as a first responder program. And ever since that episode, I've been trying to track down somebody to come on the show to talk specifically about the Chula Vista PD program. And On God Singh from Pix4D in a later episode had connected me with you. I've got you on today to talk about that, but also we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Skydio, your company that you work with uh, providing uh, actual drone equipment and hardware. And so uh, this will be kind of a neat episode. I'm, I'm excited to, to talk about those things. Yeah, no, I'm really glad to be here. I did hear those episodes. Um, of course, I know Anthony's a great guy. Uh, we talked quite a bit. And then on God, everybody knows on God. So those were great episodes and I'm glad to be uh, following in their footsteps. Yeah. Yeah. Those were two great episodes and it kind of seems like I've uh, unintentionally started a bit of a drone series here on the show and that's okay. <laughs> um, you know, and if anybody's got a, a specific interest in that and, and are interested in these episodes about drones specifically, when you go to the website for the podcast, psi.chat, and you sort through the uh, different episodes, you can actually do that based upon the drone tag. So if you click drone, you'll get all the episodes, including this one, that uh, cover uh, discussions about drones. So uh, let's let's start by chatting about the program over at Chula Vista and your involvement in it and what the purpose of that program is all about. Sure. Let's dive in. Where do you want to start at the very beginning? It's a long story, but... <laughs> Hey, you know what? You know the story. You tell me. Uh, what what do we what do we need to get out there? I mean, I think ultimately the goal here is to shed some light on just how innovative the idea is and futuristic. Draw some interest in it to see for other law enforcement administrators to see a model for what drones can be used for outside of what we've been used to using them for, which is typically traffic accident scene uh, right. cap and other crime scenes, uh, as well as search and rescue. So, I mean, this is 
far and be above and beyond anything that it's, uh, drones have been used for before. And so I want to shed some light on that, maybe stir some interest in it and uh, allow some opportunities for other agencies to maybe try and watch closely at what they're doing and replicate it down the road. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've done quite a bit on on the history of it and how it is, what it is and how it works. So we can dig into that as as we go. I think I'll just start in the more recent news related around it, which is touches more on what you're looking for. And that's, you know, how do we take Chula Vista's capability, which is to describe the program a little bit, is having drones launch off of uh, basically nested sites within a city, respond to emergency calls for service, arriving there hopefully before ground units, and then a DFR pilot or basically an incident manager who's monitoring the drone video can then communicate with ground units in real time, telling them what they're responding to, what you know, what resources they might need, which is the best tactical approach, and then, of course, staying overhead and helping them uh, manage the incident and come to a, a good and effective resolution. That's what Chula Vista is doing seven days a week. They've got well over 4,000 missions. It's been in the news. In fact, it was just recently discussed in detail in a, in a New York Times article published a few few days ago that uh, touched on the program and, and also on the importance of automation. And, and that ties into my role in my, at my job at Skydio, which is, you know, leading the way in, in terms of bringing automation into drone operations and really making it a scalable resource where you could effectively expand the capability of police departments and have better outcomes to everyday incidents. And so the concept here, if, if I can summarize and, sure. and tell me if I'm wrong on anything here, the concept is essentially a call comes in to dispatch mm-hmm. and there's an incident going on in a particular area and somebody, I don't know if that's a dispatcher. And this is part of the thing I'd like to meet out actually, I guess, is somebody that operates these drones that are positioned around the city determines that they have a, a drone that's in that area. They launch that drone and fly it to that scene, and they are able to start capturing information, visual information, recording that scene, and relaying what they see to patrol officers who are en route to the scene, and and give them heads-up information about what to expect when they get there. That's exactly it. Right. There's a, there's a, a command center, if you will, a set up at the Chula Vista Police Department, which is called the DFR Room. The person in that room is a DFR pilot, uh, essentially a sworn police officer experienced at managing incidents. The drones are on, uh, one is on the roof of the police department, another one is on a nearby hospital. Chula Vista has plans on expanding to two other sites that would cover their whole city, but currently they, they cover an area that's 70% of their emergency calls for service. And that officer in the DFR pilot is listening to incoming calls both on the radio as well as CAD entries, and then uh, with a technology called Live 911, uh, which is the first Chulvis is using, and that's probably worth a, another podcast at some point. But they launch towards these emergencies before officers are often even aware it's occurring, and they'll arrive on scene 20% of the time, they'll arrive and not have to have ground units respond at all um, because the incident's over, or it's not what it was reported, uh, or they're able to resolve it just by calling the reporting party from that room. Um, and so it's an efficiency tool. It's obviously a response time tool and more, most importantly, and this is something that uh, chief Roxana Kennedy, who's probably the foremost trailblazers in police departments, these, all these solutions are, are a result of her vision to find a better way to deescalate incidents. And so anytime you have information about what you're going into, you essentially get to see the future, right? I, I, I think drones are a tool to see the future. And when, uh, you know, what, what officers are going into or what firefighters are going into. And so they, they have a better understanding of how to solve that problem, what resources they might bring to bear. You know, the military has been scouting for quite some time and we, we don't like to compare ourselves to the military, but there is a benefit to knowing and scouting out. And in this day and age, with certainly all the things that are going on, policing, every problem is not a, a, a nail that we bring a hammer to. So not every problem is best solved by officers coming in first in uniform, you know, and when that happens and there's no plan, then mistakes are made or inevitable bad outcomes occur. And that's what DFR and drones and all these technologies 
are trying to do is improve situational awareness for responding officers, give them an opportunity to make the right decisions, bring the right forces to bear, bring, bring the right uh, resources and to, to make the best decisions and have better outcomes. Because the whole intent of policing is to serve the community. These are emergency calls. Someone calls up and they want help. We want to respond and do the best job we can and have an outcome that everyone's happy with. And I think it's a brilliant, brilliant program and idea. And I can certainly see how this application can grow and expand. And I would sure love to see and hope to see this sort of program replicated around the country and expanded in, in future years. I can, I can touch on that if you want. Yeah, please do. Go ahead. So more recently, um, that, that's the very concept behind DFR is not only to provide this service to Chula Vista, but also to give this capability to agencies across the country. And that's just now starting to roll out, I think. I think Chula Vista spent two years uh, developing it and proving its value and uh, showing the FAA can be done safely. And um, just recently, uh, Charles Werner from Drone Responders, who would be a great guest on your show at some point, has partnered. Yeah, with, I have him on my list. Oh, great. And uh, Don Redman, another good guest uh, uh, who manages the program at, or now he's a commander of the program at Chula Vista. And he's the uh, the new chair of a working group specifically designed to assist agencies that are looking to do this and start this up. There are agencies now that are, are pushing the envelope in terms of getting this uh, integrated in their operations and introducing this to their community and investing resources like Clovis PD, Jim Monroe, there's a, a leader and a visionary, um, Redondo Beach. Uh, and then you probably read about Brookhaven, Georgia, whose actual city council has approved this and and allocated funds to uh, give Abram Aiana and partnering with Skyfire uh, to drive this at that location. Uh, and having that top-down approval and push for this for this technology is is a sea change, and I think it's huge. And when that happens broadly, when city councils, city leaders see this as a tool that are, they should responsibly give to their communities and then obviously allocate funding and resources for it, that's when this will spread broadly. So uh, we're, yeah. we're at the cutting edge of the early days of, of it, I believe, and uh, it's exciting time. So this broadcast is timely. Yeah, it's certainly on the cusp of seeing this uh, be more broadly applied. Now, I don't, I don't want to gloss over something you mentioned earlier. So before we get too far from it, I'm going to kind of rewind a little bit and go back. And you mentioned how in that DFR room, uh, in that command center, if you will, for the drone pilots, that they are using a system called Live 911 to monitor uh, 911 calls as they're coming into the dispatch center. And we talked about this a little bit, uh, you and I, before we started recording here, uh, that Live 911 is a, a company that you're also a part of and uh, would like to talk some more about. And um, in the interest of making sure we don't uh, stray too far from what we wanted to discuss today, and because honestly, it once I learned about Live 911 and the concept behind it, where you're essentially giving not only these DFR pilots, but also patrol officers on the ground in their patrol cars access to be able to hear in real time Live 911 calls as they're coming in so that they can prepare and formulate a response to them, even sometimes before the dispatcher gets to build the call in the CAD system. I think it's incredible we could take a whole episode on that. And so we are, in fact, going to or plan to have Fritz back on the show again for a separate episode where we're going to talk specifically about that Live 911 system. So I didn't want to gloss over that, Fritz. You know, that I think deserves some attention um, because it is certainly uh, relevant to our discussion here today. Uh, but we are going to take a deeper dive into that on a later episode. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I, I, I think uh, it'd be a, a interesting and worth, worth the time to talk about that. And certainly I'm glad to be here to talk about the drone-related stuff and do a deep dive in, in not only DFR, but uh, my role at Skydio and what they're doing because that, that's really the exciting part is, is their new products coming out and how that's going to change, how automation is going to change uh, the drone operations with public safety across the country. So looking forward to doing that podcast. Yeah. And uh, just I want to touch on a couple other things real quick about 
the Chula Vista program that I want to kind of wrap my head around that I'm sure other people listening are asking themselves as well right now. And then, yes, I absolutely I want to dive in and talk about um, Skydio a bit after that as well. So my, my first question or thought that I had, uh, even prior to this discussion so far, but you did mention it or start to mention it a minute ago, you said that they have two drones right now, one on top of the police department, one on top of the hospital. And so my, right. my thought was, all right, how big of an area are we talking about covering here? You know, what, what typically, what size of an area can you cover with a single drone? You know, wh- help, help me understand that. Help our audience understand that. Sure. That's actually a, a key component to this whole program and really has a ripple effect in terms of what kind of technology you need, what kind of regulations you need to be able to operate. And so there's a lot to it. We can do a really deep dive. But currently what Chulavist is doing is has a pilot on the roof who's technically the Part 107 pilot in command. And they, uh, you know, change the battery. They monitor the airspace. They ensure the safety of the operation because the officer downstairs obviously can't see or hear anything that's going on where the drone is. And so to comply with not only regulations, but just to operate safely, you'll have a Part 107 on each roof. Um, who's technically in control of that drone. They sort of lend permission through a software that Motorola has, Motorola Aerial, where they lend permission for this person to remotely operate it through the internet. But at any point, uh, they can take over control by moving the joysticks and kicking that person off. Um, so it's expensive when you have a person up there um, to do this. So the further you can fly, obviously, the more ground you cover within visual line of sight, which is regulation without special waivers, you can fly up to a mile, essentially, depending on the size of the drone. And that's roughly three square miles with a mile radius. If you can fly three miles, which is what Chulvist is doing, and what you need a special beyond visual line of sight waiver to do. uh, Now you've increased the area 10 times to nearly 30 square miles. And now in obviously you'll cover 10 times as much area and you'll respond to 10 times as many calls. And that efficiency makes putting and staffing that person on the roof worth it now. Um, It's still expensive, obviously, um, much more expensive than something that might be a docked system that um, we can get into further uh, where the drone takes off and lands all on its own, sort of like a Roomba on the roof then this would make it much more scalable. And in fact, at that point, you wouldn't need the ability to fly further than a mile because you could just add docks throughout the city, more docks and get better coverage and shorter response ranges. So there's there's ripple effects depending on the regulations and what technology you use, but that's what Chulvist is doing now. And that's what DFR essentially is for agencies moving forward is giving them permission to fly beyond visual line of sight uh, up to three miles, giving the care, coverage area of one lo- launch location about 30 square miles. That is, with two lo- two locations in Chula Vista, they actually cover about 30 miles because of overlap and, and the shape of the city. That's about half the city, or I'd say 30% of the city, but again, 70% of the calls for service since it's an urban area. And so other agencies that are smaller cities can essentially cover their whole city from a single launch site. And if you had 24-7 coverage, you could have eyes on a scene anywhere it was within a minute or two of any emergency. And that's that's the end goal. That's what Chulvis is moving towards. And that's what everyone else who looks at that and visits it sees as, you know, sort of, I guess, the uh, holy grail of drone response. And another point that you brought out there is it's not just about the geographic area you're trying to cover. It also has to do with calls for service, right? So, I mean, you've got a drone tasked out on one call. Um, Even if you can cover a three square mile area with that single drone, another call comes in, you would need another drone for that if you wanted another drone there. And so there's certainly a lot of variables there, but that at least I think helps uh, Fritz. And and thank you for giving that explanation. It helps me and I'm sure the audience to wrap their heads around the scale of, of this idea and at least what sort of things they need to be thinking about in order to understand how to deploy this this sort of a program. I, I, I'm wondering if you can, and again, I, I want to be brief here because I don't want to take away from time to talk about Skydio specifically, but my, my other question, thought that I had that I really wanted to get answered today was, how in the world did you guys come up with this idea in the first place? What was the genesis of this? Where did it start? Well, it started, I, I was a drone enthusiast. Vern Salee, who uh, ran the program after I left, 
actually started the program at Chula Vista before I took it over and now is at Axon Air, started the program and I was a drone enthusiast. I promoted, decided we wanted to shuffle collateral duties. I asked for the drone team. He gave it to me and I was just doing what most UAS commanders do and get the drone up and running with a drone in the trunk, sort of traditional launch system where you give it to officers in the field and then they go to recalls and they assess the need for an air support and they throw off the drone. That's what most agencies or almost all agencies are doing now. So that was going on. And uh, at the same time, I had developed with a partner, uh, Lieutenant, Lieutenant Thunberg, a different response approach to calls for service called Sarah. And this was getting a plainclothes officer in a car ahead of ground units so that they could assess the need for uh, what kind of response police should have, if at all. And this was because our chief, Roxana Kennedy, had uh, assisted a neighboring city with riots after a tragic shooting where officers responded on a mental health call. The person pointed what they thought was a gun at them and they tragically shot an unarmed person. It was very very impactful for our region and certainly the community, which, you know, was angry and there was significant backlash. And so we were thinking of ways to, to change this and respond better, not, not just respond to every call without knowing what, there's no troubleshooting going on at all before officers would get to the calls. And that call had been sitting for 50 minutes and could have probably been handled over the phone. And so we developed the program to do that. And then I reached out just on my drone research with a company called Cape, which was a startup that has since been acquired by Motorola, which I mentioned has turned into Motorola Aerial. But Cape Termes, I'm sorry, Cape Termes from uh, Cape and I, uh, he came and demoed this technology. And then I told him about this response program and we sort of developed this idea to respond, have drones respond remotely using this teleoperation software. And uh, Cape Termes is actually working with me now at Skydio, coincidentally. So he and I are both on the same team again. Um, so I'm glad to work with him and actually for him now. So that's that's kind of a coincidental turn of events. But anyway, we worked on this and we're going to uh, approach Chief Kennedy and she's a visionary and we thought we might be able to beta test it. But I think the White House was listening in on our calls because the White House <laughs> announced uh, uh, the IPP program where the White House in partnership with the DOT and the FAA had encouraged cities and, and government agencies to partner with private sector, the solution providers, to come up with innovative use cases to integrate drones into the national airspace as well as the public's consciousness and see if it's accepted and and really explore different and unique ways of using drones, which was exactly what we were doing anyway. So we applied in partnership with the city of San Diego, who also had some big players like Qualcomm and AT&T and Matternet and some of these others. Um, so we jumped on that wagon and was selected as one of the 10 IPP cities. And really, uh, with the help of the IPP team, um, we're able to uh, get these innovative safety cases and requests for waivers in front of the FAA and get a lot of help, direct help from the FAA to get them passed. And then Chula Vista was, you know, then basically had special permission to do this. And we started operating in uh, 2018 in October. That was two weeks coincidentally after I retired. And uh, so Vern Salee, Captain Vern Salee was back in charge of the team. And, and since I, you know, obviously had been involved with Cape with a lot of the groundwork, he invited me back as a consultant. And I spent a year working directly with him and many of the others on the team to stand up the program, you know, uh, evaluate the launch sites, do public information and education um, tours, and just basically troubleshoot, write policies, write the waiver help write the training program and just basically do that for a year. And then during that year, I met Skydio who, you know, they were innovators in the drone world and had a, a drone that essentially flew itself. And the automation was exactly enabled some of the things I see down the road as, as the future. And so it was a perfect fit and couldn't wait to join their team. And, and the fact that Cabe and I are working together there is, is serendipitous. And I think really exciting because you have the smartest brains in the world uh, in up there at Skydio uh, working on these solutions. So it's, it's, we're in the early stages uh, of these solutions. Um, it's a small community and there's a lot of overlap between what Chula Vista is doing, what Skydio is doing, um, the Live 911, all these technological 
breakthroughs that are helping increase situational awareness. And that's essentially what it's all about, is increasing situational awareness so that public safety can make better decisions, keep people safe, and serve their communities better. Hey, just me cutting in for a quick break and chapter three of the Marketing Minute. Tips to help you start your own business post-law enforcement or grow your existing business. Today, we are finally going to address where you and your business enter the scene in our seven critical elements of an effective story-based marketing strategy. We previously talked about the hero, your customer, and that they have a problem to overcome. Your customer doesn't know how to solve this problem on their own. If they did, they wouldn't need what you have to offer in the first place. Continuing to use movies as our reference here, we previously talked about how Luke Skywalker in Star Wars lacked confidence to become a Jedi Master, but he met Obi-Wan Kenobi. Obi-Wan had been there and done that. He trained other Jedis before and could teach Luke Skywalker too. See, your customer needs a guy, you, someone to show them how to overcome their problem, someone who's done it before and even helped others do it too. If you position yourself, your company, and your products and services as the guide, you will position yourself as the strongest character in the story, someone that your customer seeks out for help. That's it for today's Marketing Minute. You can check out every chapter by going to psi.chat forward slash marketing minute. Now, let's get back into the show. Skydio is is really what's powering the Chula Vista Police Department program, if I understand correctly. And so I'm interested in hearing more. Let's let's talk specifically about Skydio for the rest of this episode now. And would you explain for us, you know, what is Skydio's purpose? I mean, what is it that you are really providing and how does that technology pair up, I guess, to to other competitors? What makes you guys different? And uh, you know, you talked about the AI. I'm interested in hearing a bit more on that advanced AI uh, capability. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, Skydio, obviously, Chula Vista was the first to uh, deploy Skydio drones into actual patrol operations. Uh, I would say Skydio, uh, you know, isn't the, the power behind DFR yet, but they're, the idea of automation is necessary to power DFR. Um, there's a lot of technological players at Chula Vista making these running their operations. But Skydio's claim to fame, I would say, and the thing that we're really proving out is the power of automation in drone operations. It really, because police officers, firefighters, they have a discipline they're good at. They want to train and do that. And uh, they want to deploy drones in operations, but it would be very difficult for them to be expert pilots as well. So having a drone that helps them complete their mission, fly safely, get better results and do much of the work for them is really when something that's, you know, a unique niche product becomes something that's deployed every day, all day in operations. We've seen that in other technological evolutions uh, like the body-worn cameras and these things. When when companies make them easy to use, easy deployed, part of a, a normal ecosystem and a normal operation, it doesn't take a lot of bandwidth to deploy them, then they become very useful on a broad scale. And I and when I first saw the Skydio 2 fly, I saw what they were doing in terms of bringing this intelligence into what typically has been a hardware device and making it a software intelligent device. I realized these people uh, have the DNA for the future of drone operations. And so that's why I joined them. That's why I think DFR... Uh, and the, the power of automation in that operation really has shed just sheds a light on what the potential future can be. I'm actually uh, I've been looking at your website here and uh, looking at the the Skydio two and the X two and you know I, just an aside here, Fritz. Uh, a lot of my my podcast guests like to send me free stuff. I would like an X two, please, if you could send me one. Um, <laughs> this thing looks really, really awesome. And I could, I could just sit, I'm sitting here imagining all the cool things I could do with it. Yeah. Just give me your address. I've got hundreds on the shelf behind me. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, it, yeah, as, as, as you may know, we're, we're building fast and furious and I say we, but obviously the, the engineers and the manufacturers, Skydio are, are working hard to, 
to make these uh, this next generation of drones. I'm really excited. Um, uh, everyone we've shown it to in the public safety sector, and and it, it not only serves public safety, the industry, uh, asset inspection, military. There's so many customers that are excited about getting it. Of course, my vertical is public safety, so that's what I talk about. But we've been showing it to them both in person and virtually, and everyone's very excited about the X2 because uh, the Skydio 2, while very useful, that wasn't designed for public safety at the outset. Um, they found it that it does fit a, a useful niche, and, and you know, many, many agencies are using it today. And we'll have a podcast coming up in a separate venue talking about the success stories that officers and firefighters have had with the Skydia 2. But the X2 is really the result of a partnership um, between end users and Skydio to develop drones that, you know, serve needs that are uh, the public safety has uh, in every day. You know, the better sensors, the thermal, longer flight time, the ability to 3D scan, uh, and all while being very easy to fly, very hard to crash, um, and quick to deploy and ruggedized and so excited and of course this is the first one uh, we're, we're going to be around a while I, I'm, I'm, I, I believe and so additional solutions will come on the market but the x2 i think will is i'm excited to get that actually deployed and get some great use case stories behind behind that drone yeah and i i'm watching right now i have this this video up on my screen from your x2 page specifically of uh i don't know i don't know what altitude this drone is flying at and i'm guessing maybe three to five hundred feet in in elevation uh that is zooming in on a guy walking around with a rifle in his hand and it's uh it's incredible how how much that what does it say 100 times zoom on there i think and the clarity and the definition of which you can see when that camera is zoomed all the way out at the altitude the drone is at, that that human walking around looks like just a little speck. But you can zoom all the way in to see this guy carrying a rifle. It's just absolutely incredible. Yeah, what you're seeing is the zoom from zoomed all the way out where you're using those uh, six vision-based uh, uh, wide-angle vision cameras that the drone uses to avoid obstacles and sense the world around it in real time. It's using that to see the world for the pilot and give a, a you know, cause your, your normal EO camera is a narrow range of view. You can zoom out and actually see everything around you and then zoom all the way in up to 16 uh, times digitally from a uh, normal view and see details the much better than many of your portable drones that are out there today. And that's the, really the goal of the X2 is to get this sensor power out to the front edge, leading edge of patrol response. There's there's plenty of drones that have very powerful cameras that you know zoom in at very high power, but they're on drones that are hard to fly. Take two people. They're usually back at the station because they're so large, and so they're 30 minutes away in most cases. And the sensor you have, the camera you have, is much better than the ones you don't <laughs> in every situation. And so having enough power to get the job done, but also be portable enough and uh, available enough to actually be there when the emergency happens is what X2 has done. And in public safety, we've seen uh, the evolution of that. You know, after Columbine, we realized we can't wait for special weapons and tactics, the 30-minute response time in many cases. Yeah. The emergency is happening yeah. in the first minutes. And so you'll see that officers now have uh, more capable weapons. They have specialized active shooter training. Uh, and so we've essentially, in public safety, moved this uh, special weapons and tactics to the leading edge of response. And that's the value of X2 is getting as much capability as practical in the hands of the first ones on scene. And to do that, it has to be ruggedized, it has to be portable, and, and, and most of all, it has to be easy to fly. Otherwise, it, just, it would take too many uh, hours on the stick to be able to have officers do much and firefighters do much with it. Um, and they just don't have the time. They've, they've got another discipline they've got to be experts at. And so that's what I mean by using autonomy to really make this product scalable um, and you know, the, my roots are in DFR, and I love that uh, program, and it's really pointing a light to what can be in the future and getting technology innovators, solution providers to make the solutions for the next generation of, of public safety professionals is 
is what I'm most excited about and why I'm, I'm part of Skydio and why I still coordinate and cooperate and um, work closely with Chula Vista. Um, I'll give you a break, but I did want to talk also about the Tactical Beyond Visual Line of Sight waiver, which is enabled with autonomy and Chula Vista was the first to get. And then now, you know, over 100 agencies have it. And so there's a parallel there with, uh, with what we hope to do with the growth of DFR. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, so when I saw Skydio flying and then avoiding objects and, and talking with uh, Brendan Groves, who are head of a regulatory uh, policy and regulation at, at, at uh, Skydio and CABE and others, we really realized that, hey, when you have a drone that can see the world around it and, and not hit things, you can put it places where you might not be able to see yourself as a pilot and do things that public safety needs to do every day, look in windows uh, for on, on barricaded suspect is- issues, look in, in uh, deep river bottoms or over hillsides or under tree canopies for missing persons, missing or injured persons or hiding suspects. And so public safety needed the ability to fly beyond visual line of sight, not some sending the drone so far away you couldn't see it, that type, but the kind where you just can't see it because it's behind trees or behind structures. And so uh, that really sparked the idea of asking for a waiver to do this um, for public safety. We wrote up a safety case in partnership with Chula Vista and submitted it to the FAA through the IPP program. And that was uh, approved as a tactical beyond visual line of sight waiver. And the goal was to get it to be approved, not only Chula Vista, to every other agency who wanted it. Um, It was an idea that I got uh, and confirmed with from Chris Sadler at York County, who was technically the first one to get this, even though he wasn't wasn't called TBVOS yet. And then it was followed by another agency, uh, Brandon Carr out of Texas. Uh, And so that that was the progression, and now um, Charles Warner from Drone Responders has taken up the mantle and made it easy to get more closely with the FAA to standardize it. And in a few short months, we're up to over 100 agencies that have have this capability, have this specialized waiver, and it's I think it's really changing daily operations for these uh, public safety agencies, and also teaching the FAA on how to best accommodate our needs and, and give us the the uh the waivers and the regulatory approval to to save lives so are there any uh, i'm curious as far as that autonomy is concerned and the the type of objects that it can and can't see are there are there any types of things that are harder for it to uh recognize and identify like i'm thinking power lines things like that or or is it able to see those as well yeah so it uses a 4k 200 degree uh EO, you know, RGB cameras, like it sees the world like we see it. Obviously, it sees 360 degrees, but anything you can see with your eye, the drone can see. So it's very capable of of uh, missing, you know, uh, avoiding all kinds of objects in the sky. And now Skydio recommends not flying around power lines uh, and other maybe very thin branches, things that you might not see with your naked eye. But okay. It, it is capable of, of missing, uh, seeing and avoiding objects like power lines. And, and, and its advanced intelligence could see a section of the power line and understand that, <clears throat> you know, normally a stick doesn't float in, in thin air. I'm just going to extrapolate through artificial intelligence that, that what I see goes, goes off to infinity on either end. And so it has that level of, uh, of artificial intelligence. So it is very effective at missing things like, power lines and tree branches and and people can fly this thing that's the key aspect is all drones above the tree line are you know fairly effective uh, but as soon as you come below the infrastructure and tree line and are flying in a in a complex environment it becomes very uh, scary and uh, that's when crashes happen and to have a drone that can really help a pilot with almost no skill set avoid these things is what the game changer is. And, and autonomy from the very beginning, um, we all remember the drone, well, not maybe all of us, but I remember when drones couldn't hover, you had to have skill just sort of hover in place. And that vision positioning system that were on the earliest drones really meant that now so many more people had the skill and ability to fly drones and have it be effective. And then the return to home feature, another automation feature, uh, meant that it, it could be flown safely and actually used in in public safety operations that's when when it really took off and so those basic rudimentary uh, autonomy features really opened it up and that's 
I think just the, the tip of the iceberg when these advanced autonomy features that Skydio has and is working on in the future, they really enable even more advanced operations, much like we're saying with uh, tactile beyond visualized sight waivers and dock systems. And it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's painting a picture of what the future looks like. That's exciting. A lot of people. I have to admit, I'm, I'm really well versed at changing rotor blades because my, uh, my experience with flying drones, I'm, I'm all equally as good at crashing them, which is why I learned how to change rotor blades. So, uh, <laughs> I, I had a, uh, I had one of those GoPro drones, certainly not as awesome or cool or, uh, high speed as the X2 or, or, or even the, the Skydio 2, but, um, had one of those GoPro drones and it was a blast flying that thing around. But I tell you, I, I crashed that thing into trees and all sorts of things. And I'll, I'll even share kind of a funny, but a slightly embarrassing story. Yeah. Um, one day I was, uh, uh, I got a notification on my controller that my drone needed some, uh, updates and, uh, needed to update the software or the firmware, I guess. And so it gives you these instructions and it tells you, uh, set it down on the ground, take off the rotor blades, uh, remove, <laughs> remove all these things so that it can't, it can't fly. Uh-huh. It can't take off and then go ahead and, you know, run the updates. And I'm like, Oh, come on. That's for stupid people. Like stupid people that are, you know, are going to accidentally launch the sure, drone in, sure. in their house or, <laughs> or whatever. I don't, I don't need to do that. I'm not a stupid person. I'll, I'll, I'm just going to leave these rotor blades on. Uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to make the accident of launching this thing. Well, sure enough, I start going through the process of updating the firmware and I, for whatever reason, I hit the launch button <laughs> and, and this thing took off in my office uh, at, and started, started flying in my office, crashed into the fan. And then that sent it flying across the room into the door. And I'm telling you, those, those drone rotors actually put a hole in my hollow core door in my office and bent i had a key that was still sitting in the in the lock of the door and it actually bent that key uh <laughs> i felt like a complete idiot after that and i said well i guess i am one of those people on the ins- the warning labels <laughs> that uh that they tell you about <laughs> well nothing like that so has ever happened to me good. or anybody else you're the only one that's crashed a drone like that <laughs> no, yeah, yeah i I'm think sure. it's a common yeah. experience these uh you know I've, that's that is a, a funny story. Um, and when you see that hole in the corridor, you're glad it's not your, your body, right? Yeah. My wife made fun of me for that for quite a while. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a good story. Though. You have rest- a good story to explain that hole. Yeah. Well, we actually just sold that house recently and, uh, I never did explain to the people that bought it. Why that, that, uh, little slash, uh, was there in the inside of that door. So I'm sure they're, they're wondering what that's all about. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, no, aut- automation is good, especially for, for those guys like me that can't figure out how to fly this stupid thing. And, uh, it's, uh, I, it's really fascinating to me. I'm, I'm, I love hearing about just how much the technology has changed because like you said, I mean, even you just go back, I, I don't know, I'm shooting from the hip and guessing here, but five years ago, maybe where most of the drones on the market didn't have the ability, like you said, to even, uh, hold a position and hover in the air. And now we're seeing that sort of technology available even on these little $10 drones that you can go buy at the toy store. And so it's just a, a testament to how much the technology has changed and is changing and sort of where the future is going with it. And uh, I, I just love brainstorming about the future. I mean, isn't it cool just to sort of think, sit and think about if that's where we've come in five years, where are we going five years from now and what what are we going to be doing with that technology and that's just that's one of the fun things about this show is that i get to talk to people like you that help uh, share that vision for the future with everyone else in law enforcement no i yeah i totally know what you mean i just i spent a lot of time at least from the end user's perspective, knowing what I would like and then talking and being part of a team that can take those ideas and turn them into actual products and uh, software solutions to make it a reality has been super exciting, rewarding. I thought I was retiring a couple of years ago and, and, and that didn't happen, thankfully. And so I've got a, a kind of a whole new mission. And uh, I'm like you, that these 
this the evolution of technology and the things it can do is so fascinating. We use the analogy of of phones, right? Wasn't too long ago when you know Nokia and BlackBerry ruled the world, and everyone thought they knew what was important in a phone. And now, just years later, we have basically it's, it's a hard piece of hardware that's just essentially all software driven uh, smartphone totally different than we ever envisioned no hard keyboard or anything like that and and i see that same evolution in drones moving from you know just a hardware tool to actually you know a repository for for just really robust software solutions to say solve everyday problems so fritz what would you say is kind of the thing that drives you uh now you said you thought you were going to retire a couple of years ago and uh you know you're grateful to ha- be on this new path and working with skydio uh and i i want to know more about you i mean you've given a little bit of your background but tell us you know what is it what is it that drives you what is your what is the enjoyment you get out of this and, and why do you keep doing it what are you hoping to accomplish wow yeah that's a good question i'm not 100 percent sure what drives me i've always been sort of interested in in technological solutions to uh, help people succeed. Um, I was at Chula Vista for 27 years as a police officer, uh, went up to the, through every position there, you know, in SWAT and investigations and worked undercover, um, worked internal affairs, uh, ran the dispatch center, ran the jail, ended up as the patrol commander, the number two position there. And throughout my career, you know, we, I worked on and thought of ways, new ways of doing things. I've worked with a company, develop a GPS tracking device that we put on stolen cars before that was even a thing. Um, when I was a dispatch manager is when I came up with the idea of Live 901. And then uh, the, the patrolling technique called Sarah. And then, and then finally the, the DFR uh, use case concept of operations or things that, you know, I've found people that can enable me and, and, and people that have strengths that I don't have and teamed up with them and really collaborated to, to turn things into reality. And, uh, I I see a lot of that happening around me. So I, I gravitate towards those types of people and organizations that do the same thing. That's kind of, I guess that's still what I'm doing in, in what I thought would be my retirement. Um, in, in any kind of value I can add to that effort is, is hugely rewarding to me personally. I appreciate you sharing that background with us. It sounds like you got to do a lot of things. Uh, the only thing I didn't hear you list out there is uh, my my personal my personal opinion that this is the most uh, or the best job I should say in law enforcement, and that's working with the marshals. I worked on a marshals task force for four years as a deputized U.S. marshal, and that is the coolest job in law enforcement. Hunting bad guys is absolutely uh, uh so rewarding <laughs> <clears throat> yeah we we had uh we have officers at chula vista i say we uh chula vista has officers assigned to a, a u.s marshals task force and and they certainly have the best stories right they have the least paperwork and the most action uh, of any of the other units and it's always exciting to hear yep. what they're doing and they really do get uh find people that others can't find and and get bad guys off the street that you know, if left out, they're going to do some bad stuff. So I, I would agree with you. That's probably some of the most exciting police work that's happening is in that unit. It's, it's the bed, best job in law enforcement. Yep. All right. Awesome. Well, why don't we uh, uh, do this then? How about you let everybody know if they want to connect with you, if they're looking for uh, more information about the drones as a first responder program, or maybe they want to talk to you about Skydio drones specifically, get a, get more information on the products that you guys have available, uh, or get a demo, whatever it may be. How can people connect with you? So the best way to get me is at fritz at skydio.com. Please reach out to me regarding anything there. Uh, if there's public safe, safety agencies interested in, uh, Perhaps getting a free Skydio drone. We still have the emergency response program going, which provides public safety agencies uh, free drones to address the ongoing emergencies related to COVID. That program has been underway for many months, and uh, we're, we're nearly at our 100 agency goal, but not quite. So there's still a few left to, to give. So that's ERP at Skydio.com for that program. That's open to 
police and fire and other public safety related agencies. But yeah, please feel free to reach out to me at fritz at skydio.com. All right. And of course, as always, I'll put all of the links for that information in the show notes. Uh, you can go there to check out. And Fritz and I are going to put together a couple other resources and things to put uh, in the show notes as well. Maybe a couple videos if we can get that squared away. And of course, look forward to coming back uh, and checking out a later episode. We're going to have Fritz come back to talk about Live 911. So um, please come back and check that out later on. So Fritz, it was awesome having you on the show. I really appreciate it. Definitely a great episode. Thanks, Adam. I really appreciate being here. Um, I'm very impressed with your organization. We, of course, I do a lot of these, and and I would say you're you're uh, top notch and and the way you run things and and how you lead the program. So pleasure to be part of it. Thanks. I, I'm I'm glad that it comes off that way because truthfully, I'm just kind of flying by the seat of my pants and figuring <laughs> out as I go. So <laughs> well, you're faking it perfectly. <laughs> cool. We'll we'll catch you later. All right. Hey, everybody. Thanks for checking out this episode of Public Safety Innovators Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please head over to my website at publicsafetyinnovatorspodcast.com or simply psi.chat where you can check out episode notes and other episodes from the show. While you're there, You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or really anywhere else that you prefer to listen to podcasts. I would greatly appreciate if you could help other people find the show by leaving a review wherever it is that you prefer to listen to the show. I'd love to hear from you if you have feedback about the show, a suggestion on a guest, or maybe you're a public safety innovator yourself and would like to be a guest on the show. Please head over to my contact page on the website and you can submit that information there or just email me at adam at psi.chat. All right, I'll catch you on the next episode.